Okay, you guys, let me ask you a question. Do you struggle to get your weddings featured? Are your wedding submissions constantly being rejected from your dream publications? Does the thought of creating your own submission completely overwhelm you? Well, this is exactly why I created Submission Support, to help wedding photographers and planners just like you. Inside our monthly email membership community is where you'll learn what makes a good submission, how to start thinking like an editor, how to curate your images, and how to submit your next wedding all on your own. I've helped dozens of photographers and planners get featured, and now I get to help you directly in your inbox every month. To learn more, visit submissionsupport.twgna.com and join today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Tea with Janae. I'm your host, Janae Kirshner of Janae Kirshner Photography and the photo education and coaching site, Tea with Janae. Tea with Janae is where we give real advice, tangible tips, and thoughtful insight about what it's really like to be a wedding photographer. I'm so excited about today's brand new episode because I'm chatting with Wendy Kay from Birds of a Feather Events, all about understanding the wedding industry, tears, and how to break into the next level. Wendy shares what each level consists of, why understanding where you are and want to go is important, and how to break into the next level for your business. A little bit about Wendy before we get started is that she has been deemed a top wedding planner and event designer worldwide by Martha Stewart Weddings and a best wedding planner in America by Brides. She's also the co-founder of Educate, Empower, and Encourage, E3 for short, and Wendy finds immense joy in assisting other creatives in leveling up their own businesses. This is such a great topic, and I know you guys are going to love today's episode. So let's get excited. Let's grab a cup of tea and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm so excited you guys are here. I have a wonderful guest on the line today. Wendy, can you say hi to everybody? Hey, everybody. Thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm so excited. I've known you for quite a while now, and when you reached out, I was like, finally. (laughs) No, I was, I was a little nervous. And then uh, I was like, I'm going to just ask her. I'm just going to be like, come on the show. I am known for being a bitch today. So <laughs> there you go. Well, I know you long enough now to know that it's just like your love language. And, and if you're mean to someone, it's like, well, she cares about you. So. That's right. That is absolutely right. If yeah. I am uh, a little harsh or blunt with you, that means I care about you getting your shit together. Yeah. Um, no, I like, I respond well to that. So I, I like it. <laughs> Yeah, I think everybody uh, in the educational group that I want has to respond well to it because two out of the three of us are pretty much harsh like that. Julie's a little bit nicer in the way that she says things. Yeah. yeah. Well, Courtney and I are both eight wing sevens and we get along like sisters. So it's really funny. Like when we get together, we say something. It's like, oh, yeah, I would have said the same thing. <laughs> and you don't even think about it, right? Like no. to me, you're just being honest with somebody. Um, and most of the time the person has asked for your feedback when yeah. you're giving it to them. I don't give like unsolicited, um, blunt feedback. I'm not going to just walk up to somebody in an event and be like, you are too cheap. You need to raise your pricing. But if you pay <laughs> me for an hour long phone call, I'm going to tell you all of these things because nobody else will. I know. I know. Well, I have met Wendy through E3, which I've talked about numerous times on this podcast, which um, I joined I'm a OG April 2020. Got in there really early, met the ladies at um, Hybrid Co., joined uh, when they were just launching and have been a member ever ever since. My membership actually just renewed. I got a bill and I was like, oh, okay, there we go. Back in. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) So I'm so grateful for you guys. And uh, everybody's been on the show now. So you're here. So we have the trifecta, all the E3 ladies. So um, let's tell everybody, we're going to be talking today about one of my favorite topics that I actually learned about in E3, which is understanding the wedding industry tiers and how to break into the next level. So for people listening, this is going to be such a great show. 
And Wendy knows all about this. So before we get started and I pick your brain for our listeners, let's tell everybody a little bit about you, your company, and how you got started. Sure. So my business is Birds of a Feather Events. I have multiple streams of income, but that's my main source of income and also the oldest source of income that I've had. I started that business in 2010, um, producing, designing, weddings. I did event management back then, which we so fondly refer to as day of coordination. I had been working in television, producing, directing, editing for about a decade, and I started planning my own wedding. I am a statistic. They say like 90% of wedding planners got their start planning weddings after planning their own wedding. And that is totally me. I found that I had um, both the the type A logistical outlet in planning weddings as well as the creative outlet. And I really wasn't getting that creative side as much working in TV. And I was helping a couple of other plan, uh, friends plan their weddings. And I was like, I'm freaking good at this. I should totally get paid to do this for other people. And Janae, I know you've heard me say this before, the difference between people that are sayers and doers. Um, I am a doer. I don't talk a lot about what I'm going to do. I just go out and make it happen. I married a sayer. He likes to talk a lot about things that he wants to do, but doesn't always follow through with it. So whenever I came back to him and said, hey, Uh, I started this wedding planning business. He was like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. And then when I was like, I'm going to quit my job, he was like, wait a minute, hold up. What are you even talking about? And I'm like, well, I have clients and I've got a website, which means, you know, you've got a website and a business card. You're a real wedding planner at that point, right? Uh, And so he was a little bit taken aback. But then once he started realizing that I was essentially earning the same amount of money that I had been at my production manager job, Um, he was a little bit more on board with it. But I think that was our first kind of like shock as a couple that he realized that I'm not going to talk a lot about something before I go out and do it. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And so I've been trucking along for 12 years now. I've got another planning company that serves more of the middle market, which we'll get into here in a little bit. I own a photo booth, which is something we started when my husband uh, lost his job shortly after I left my job. Uh, and he's a product photographer. And so we built that and started that business. And obviously, I have E3, which stands for Educate, Empower, Encourage, which is an online subscription-based educational platform for wedding vendors who are either serving the luxury market or wanting to serve the luxury market. And then I have my hands in a few other things, but I wouldn't consider any of those to be current money makers. I have pivoted away from doing micro weddings and things like that to mostly focusing on the educational community, my planning companies and the photo booth. Yeah. That's a lot. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah you yeah. do. You're such I'm an a- idea person. You know, they always say that you're um, a starter or an operator in your business. I'm definitely a starter who is kind of forced into the role of operator due to my control issues. So <laughs> I think I'm definitely a doer too. Like I just, I'm like, I'm going to do this. And then I just do it. I don't, I like to work out the logistics of an idea just so I can sort of make sure that I can do it. But I always try, I always follow through. Like when I have a coaching call or like if someone gives me a task, I will literally finish it within a day. I'm like, I need it. I need it to be done. I hate to say it, but I think anybody that is successful in their job, their business, life, anything are doers. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> We've so got, gonna, we've, we have a lot of sayers in, in E3 and yeah. I, I'm roughest on them because I'm like, bitch, you keep saying you're going to do all of this shit and I haven't seen any of it done. What's up? Why are you yeah. wasting your time even talking about it if you're not going to actually do it? Totally. They, they cry. Yeah. Well, I think you can t- sort of in the group, there's, a, you know, it's like 400 people in there and I feel like, and I, I don't know, I can speak for myself, but I'm trying to be, I try to be as active as possible because that's how you get the most out of the group. And that's how people know you and like will help you. And I post in other groups and people will reach out like, oh, you're an E3. Like, let me, re- let me help. I don't know. It's such a nice community and such a giving community that you have to be active. You have to. Right. Do- I think of probably only 50% of the people who are in the group are actually participating all of the yeah. time. And that keeps it a little bit more intimate, I would say. Um, But sometimes I do think those other 200 people are spinning their wheels that maybe this isn't the right time to be in this space for them. 
Yeah. Um, and because we're bringing in new people all the time. And again, like half of them really participate and show up. And then we see all of the wins from them of how they've doubled, tripled their pricing. They've got more of a work-life balance, you know, all of the good yeah. things. Yeah. And then all of the silent people, we see them still struggling. Yeah. And then whenever they do want to leave, it's generally... I can't afford it anymore, or I'm way too busy. And I'm like, you know what? If you listen to the things we actually said and showed up in the group, you would be able to afford it and you wouldn't be too busy. I know. Um, but you know, you can't, you can only lead the horse to water, right? Totally, totally. So I mean, so let's jump in. So I'm excited to talk about this topic. So for people that don't know what if what a di- what the difference is or or that there are differences, maybe you can just sort of explain what the different tiers are inside the wedding industry. Okay. So we, we've got budget and that is any wedding where they're spending $500 per guest or less. Um, that sounds like a lot. That's like $50,000 for a hundred guests, but that budget wedding, that person is having to give up something at that price point. There's something that they really wanted and they can't have, they're having to give it up. And that's kind of, you know, indicative of a budget wedding. And then we have what uh, we, we call lovely. I, we did not um, coin that term. That is a Todd Fiscus term, but lovely is essentially the middle market. And those are people that are spending anywhere from that 500 to uh, $900 a guest on their wedding. So these are people that are getting more of what they want. They don't have to give up too much, but they aren't having a huge luxurious event. They're still having to kind of cut back on some things. And then we get into the different levels of luxury, which would be entry-level luxury, which is 1000 to 1500 per person, mid-level, with it, which is 1500 to about 2500 upper, which is 2500 plus, and then ultra luxury is $3,500 plus per person. Right. And so I would say that a lot of people may think they're operating in the luxury market, especially when they first get started, because we're just regular people. Like somebody that's spending $50,000 on a wedding, you're like, oh my God, I could never afford that. I personally couldn't afford that. I think our wedding was like, $17,000 for like 120 people. And I had to like give up a lot of stuff for that. For that. Um, so whenever I started planning weddings and people had a like a $50,000 budget, I was like, bitch, I made it. Look <laughs> at me. I'm planning a $50,000 wedding. I have so much money. And then I actually started planning it. And I was like, okay, well, they can't have a band. We have to have a DJ. That kind of sucks. Or this photographer I really wanted to work with, we can't really afford them. And then I started realizing, okay, th- this is not really a luxurious wedding. Um, and then when I got my first luxury wedding and the client was like, oh, whatever Rachel wants, that's what the mom would always say, um, whatever Rachel wants, and that she could just have whatever she wanted and it didn't matter the cost. I was like, okay, this is what luxury really is. And I mean, luxury is different to everybody. This In this scenario, we're literally just talking about price points. We're not talking about things that we personally consider to be luxurious. Um, but this is just on price points for different tiers in the industry. Yeah, no, this is great. It's so helpful because I think people listening be like, Oh, I don't even know what tier I'm in. If maybe they're starting out or they've been in the market in the industry for a few years and they're maybe feeling how you were like, Oh, maybe I want to do something, you know, higher end or, or start, you know, getting to the next level. So for people who are listening, you know, now that we know the difference of like what the levels are, how do you know what tier you're in? Like, how can you figure that out? I think just without having any other information about the events that you're working on, you can look at what you are personally charging because here's the thing, what you're charging is going to line up with that client's budget and what tier they're in. It's going to line up with if you're working with planners, what they're spending, what their clients are spending. So I think uh, we're mostly speaking to photographers today, correct? Yeah, photographers, yeah. yeah. Okay. Other vendors in there if they want to listen. for. But yeah, targeted photographers. So I would say if you're charging 6000 or less, you are probably primarily shooting budget weddings. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're in the six to maybe... 12k range you're shooting uh lovely and we can kind of break that down to entry level lovely even and upper lovely and then once you hit that 12k mark to 20 you're kind of in the entry level luxury mid-level would be 20 to 30 upper would be 30 to 40 and then ultra is anything over 40 which we're talking about our 
Jose Villas and our KT Marys and people like that, that are at the top of our industry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just uh, watched the Maru uh, live with Jose yeah. and he was, he shared his pricing. And I remember when I first started, he was charging like 10,000 and I was like, Oh my God, that's so much money. Yeah. And now he's like literally like 50 K. <laughs> yeah. You know, he hasn't raised his price as much then because I worked with him in 2019 and he was about there, but that was for destination to um, us destination. It wasn't for local to him in California. Yeah. And these, num- these numbers, if you're listening, sound pretty crazy. Right. But, but what I have learned is that you have to like believe in that social proof that like one day, if it can happen to them, it can happen to you. So I, I love seeing that because I don't know, I went to art school and I kind of thought like, oh, how am I ever going to make money like this? And I went to school for graphic design. It was totally different. But being a photographer now and charging like entry level luxury prices, it's like, oh, it's such a difference. So I, I love like, I don't know, the science behind it and sort of the social proof and knowing that it it can happen, you know, it's possible. It can. And you don't really realize it until you get into that realm of working with that kind of client who thinks if something is too cheap, that they don't want it. You could be an amazing photographer. You just don't value yourself enough to charge more. And so if you don't value yourself, they're certainly not going to value you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I can speak from experience. I think personally, I was undercharging for a really long time, was too afraid to move to the next level because I thought, who's going to hire me? No one's going to pay that much money for me. And I was always, there was always like a planner or two that would request my investment guide and I would send it to them, but they never hired me. And I, it, it wasn't until E3 where I was like, oh, I'm the cheapest on the docket. <laughs> Right. I'm like the not I'm the lowest value there. That's why no one's no one wants me because I'm the cheap. Why am I the cheapest? Right. Like there must yeah. be something wrong with me. People have a hard time getting past that um, because that's not their life. But the people we're trying to work for or currently working for, they will go into Bergdorf's today and spend four grand on a handbag. Mm-hmm. Like it's nothing and not even think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whenever you're sending the pricing for photography for their wedding for like one of their most important days or their child's wedding. And you're charging the same thing that they spent on a handbag that they went into the store today and just like bought on a whim. They're going to think something is wrong with you, especially if you are being pitted against other photographers that are charging more like 10, 15, $20,000. You know, I've used this analogy before, but it's the difference between that, you know, Louis Vuitton handbag that they bought this morning and that purse at Target that they saw when they went to go get, you know, their groceries or pick up a prescription, right? Like if in that equation, the Target purse is such low quality, they're not even going to bother with it. And so whenever they get that pricing, um, some people will call it, call you out on it. Um, I know Charla story who I work with a lot when she was kind of going through these growing pains, however many years ago, she had a couple of clients ask her, why are you so cheap? And she wasn't even cheap. You know, at that point, she was probably like 12 to 15. Mm -hmm. And the client was like, why are you cheap? Why are you cheaper than these other people? And she was like, what the fuck? (laughs) And so she had to call me and we had to have like a long conversation about it. Um, And then she raised her prices and booked those weddings and never looked back. That's the thing. Once you raise your price and somebody books it, so much confidence is built into that booking. You know, you realize what your worth actually is and you'll never go back to charging less than that. And you can wait a little bit longer between bookings. You aren't like, oh my God, I haven't booked a wedding in three weeks. I'm going to starve to death, right? You can go uh, quite a bit longer and do less weddings in a year whenever you're charging more money. Yeah, which I love and which is personally my goal, right? Work harder, work smarter, not harder. And oh yeah, I, w- I just want to lay on the couch all day long. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, I am also an eight, but I wing nine, okay. right? So I could go either way. I could sit here and work for 10 hours and not even notice if I am in that mode and in that zone, or I could go and binge law and order like all day long and be like, oh yeah, I think I had some stuff on my to-do list today. I should probably <laughs> figure out how to get those done tomorrow. You're like, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. It's fine. Yeah. So, so how does someone break into the next level? Like what would be your sort of maybe game plan on maybe figuring out where you are and then ha- how to move up a tier and then the, maybe the next year? Right. So I would definitely say there's, you're not ever going to have the opportunity if you're doing budget weddings to just leap to luxury weddings, even entry level, you have to pass through that middle market. 
and you will be in that middle market longer than you're in any market. Um, because trying to get inside that luxury client's head and also align with luxury planners, because once you start doing luxury events, that's who your client becomes. Your client really is no longer the couple that's getting married. It is that planner. The planner is the one referring you. The client is not, you know, the couple is not seeking out um, vendors on their own usually. It's pretty rare. Um, if they are booking a photographer before they are booking the planner or their venue, then either that photographer is a friend, it's somebody they've been following on social media for a long time and are obsessed with, or it is, you know, a celebrity level photographer, um, like your Jose uh, via KT, Eric McVeigh, people like that. Yeah. Um, and so they might book them first, but generally you're relying on that planner to find you. So I always say, try to be in the room. Um, even if you're maybe not ready to be in the room, make sure you are in the room because you'll get some chances with some lovely planners that are on maybe the same trajectory as you are. I also connect with those planners a lot once you do get that booking and kind of chat about the overall design of things. Um, when I first started working with Charla, that was 2015. I had just kind of started my trajectory of knowing, because, you know, I was, I, I was 33 when I started my business. Like I knew who I was. I knew what I was about. I knew what I wanted. I knew what I didn't want. I didn't want to hustle. I didn't want to do any of that stuff. I had already had a career for 10 years where I did that and worked 80 hours a week. And so I had a couple of micro weddings for clients. They wanted them planned very quickly. The budget wasn't large. And in my mind, I was like, oh, cool. I can treat this almost like a styled shoot. They're going to give me free reign to make it as pretty as I want to. And then we're, we're not having to pay for any of these things. It's still a real couple. We're making money. So Maxine and I were already working together at that point. That is my um, florist that I work with, Max Owens Design. And she was friends with Charla. And I, I knew Charla because she would come into our studio every once in a while. And I always thought she was friendly. And I said, hey, do you think Charla would shoot this wedding for like seven in her bucks? And she was like, yeah, probably. Because it was in January in Texas, you know, like... And it happened to be like 70 degrees outside and it was oh, outdoor wedding is perfect storm. But that first time we worked together, she was not afraid to tell me that, that I put the table in bad lighting or that my flat lay composition was not great. And she would show me things to change that worked better for her rather than just being like, well, she's the planner. I'm just going to do whatever, you know, she says. And then same thing with Maxine. She would tell Charla you can't shoot these two anemones together like this because it looks like eyeballs. Like you need to turn them and we need to kind of play with this. And, and you should always ask the florists like what their favorite centerpiece is. And so we all were teaching each other and kind of learning from one another. And I think that really helped our trajectory quite a bit. So whatever market tier you're working in, if you have desires to work above that, if you know that the volume life is not for you, that you put a lot of effort into each one of your clients, you're not just trying to churn them all through your wedding factory, that's how you know you're ready to level up. Find like-minded people, people that are on that same trajectory, have those same goals, and align yourself with them and work really hard to make yourself better while also making them better. Yeah, I love that. I love I think the biggest tips are aligning yourself with the, with people that are on your same trajectory and then also making what you have look more expensive, right? Yeah, like, so is, you, yeah. you can really do that um, easily with styled shoots. I don't recommend trying to do a lot of styled shoots because if you are a photographer, a planner does see through that. They know that you were working in a very like curated environment. You had a lot of time to do all of this. These were handpicked items that you were able to shoot and it's not really indicative of what your work might look like on a wedding day. Um, now that doesn't go for, um, you know, like, maybe florists or stationers, especially stationers, your work is going to look like your work no matter what. That's all just going to depend on what the client's budget was at the end of the day, but that you can at least see the person's creativity and what they're capable of. So stationers, if you are listening to this, make all the stationery your heart has ever dreamed of and, and have a photographer friend who wants to have some stationary portfolio work, come in and shoot it for you and style it for you. You don't have to do all of these extra styled shoots and stuff like the rest of us do. Um, but yeah, working on styled shoots is a good way to show some of that stuff. What about um, like, a, I remember 
early on, you guys said, you know, if you have a wedding coming up and there are elements that you think you can make look better, like focusing on a centerpiece and like getting one hero shot from there, or if you're going to bring on, you know, I think one of the biggest tips I ever learned was like bringing on a stylist to a wedding to like make it even look better because it's professionally styled if that's not your strong suit. Or, and then also like, if you have a great, maybe they put a lot of money into the suite, right? The invitation suite and then making some really fabulous luxury looking suites to like elevate a bit of your portfolio while you're working through the tier. Like I thought, you know, I love that. Yeah. And if the other vendors are down to work with you on this, I, I have done things in the beginning of my career. I have brought in decor that that client did not pay for. I had it shot. Maybe we only had one table's worth of good chairs or place settings or what have you. And we would have all of that uh, shot before the wedding. And then we would take all of it away. Um, and same thing with like, maybe we'd add in some cute menus that the client didn't actually purchase. Um, better linen on one of the tables to shoot. So then it is an actual real wedding. You have a real couple. You see a real reception happening later. But some of those detail shots are of things that weren't actually included that we just came out of pocket on. Or maybe the rental company had just gotten something in that they were trying to sell and they wanted better photos of it. So they were happy to give you, you know, eight place settings to put at a table to shoot. Um, Don't be afraid to call these places up and work it and just say, hey, do you have anything new in that you want shot? Yeah. Totally. You know, and then you make it working with wedding. But a lot of that ha- falls back to if there is a planner there. Right. So with photographers, you want to be working with planners that are interested in all of that. If you're working with a planner and you're like, hey, can I see the design? Oh, would it be cool if we brought this stuff in? I'm happy to go half on it. If they're like, mm, no, we're not going to do that or I don't care about that. You do not want to work with that planner again because they are not on the same trajectory as you. They're not going the same place. They are volume. They are running people through their business and just trying to make the small amount of money that they're charging so they can move on to the next one. Yeah. So I think I want to just talk about like, why, why are we doing those things? Why would you put in the extra effort to, to make it look more high end? Like what is the return on investment of that? Like, who are you going to try to attract? Like, I want people to understand the point of that. Okay. So you're trying to attract clients that have a higher level of aesthetic than maybe the clients you've had in the past. Um, they look through your portfolio and they want to see all of these nice things. Even if you're a photographer and you didn't necessarily have anything to do with the decor, it's going to reflect back on your work because they're going to want to put themselves in that wedding. Um, If you are working with a a planner or you want to be working with planners, I'm going to go to your website and look through your work. And if it looks like you don't normally work with planners, like the decor looks DIY, or it looks like you're not used to shooting luxury events, then I'm not going to bring you on for this luxury wedding that I'm planning. I need to see your portfolio and that you're used to shooting these kinds of things that you're good at shooting details. Right. Exactly. So the end result is to attract your ideal client, attract your ideal planner, to get yourself in the room, to be invited, to weasel your way in somehow and like, (laughs) you know, make, start making those connections. It takes time. It takes a lot of time. You guys, I started my business in 2010 I started to kind of, I always was focused on elevating things because I started the business because I was really interested in the design end of things. Um, I was very interested in also being in control. And when you when you're a controlling person, you want to take as much off the client's plate as possible so that ultimately you can have control over how things are working. And so that's how I worked in the beginning. I made a lot of things. My, my dad and I built a lot of stuff for weddings to elevate the look of it. And then I got to a point in 2016 where I was like, I don't want to do any of this building anymore. I don't want to make anything anymore. I don't want to purchase decor and hold inventory anymore. And the clients I'm starting to book, because I did do all of those things before and it made my weddings look more expensive, the clients I was now starting to get, they didn't care that I had an inventory of lanterns and vases and candles and also that stuff, I'd already used it. And that client didn't want stuff that had already been used in somebody else's wedding. It took me like seven years to unload all of that decor by having like a garage sale every single year, but I finally got rid of it. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I wish I was closer to you. I want to raid what, that last one. I was like, oh man, <laughs> I mean, it's just fly down for the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Then you got to get all of it back up. I know. Right. Work. Yeah. <laughs> JetBlue will kill me. <laughs> so let's talk about, you know, 
one of the questions I had is like, are there certain things you would have avoided looking back on your career? You know, would the, did you make any mistakes, maybe financially or socially, or I don't know, along the way that you can, you would, you know, say, don't do like me? <laughs> Well, I mean, it's kind of hard to say that, right? Because every mistake that you make is like a learning experience. And if I hadn't made that mistake, I wouldn't have learned that lesson to be able to move on faster. But I would say I probably should have started raising my pricing a little bit earlier than I did. Um, I think that I was, uh, I've been the breadwinner in my household for quite a while, since at least like 2014. And uh, especially a lot more lately, because my husband started a business. And you know, when you first start a business, or at least a product based business, um, you are not making a profit for for quite a while. And so a lot of times I would take on a wedding that I probably had no business taking on just because I needed to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. And so I eventually figured that out and leaned out our household and leaned out my business so that I had more money kind of stockpiled so I could withstand those dry periods a little bit longer um, and not panic and book something. So that's probably it is being more responsible with finances and not having so much of an overhead uh, so that I can hold out a little bit longer and raise yeah. my pricing a little bit faster. I love that. That's good. I feel like sometimes with my coaching clients, they get nervous that things are taking a while, right? Like things are taking time to happen. And I'm like, well, it's it doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> you have to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. Yeah. And be okay. You have to be okay with with waiting out your next booking. I, I know for me personally, I can share, I think I might have shared before. But when I jumped to my first $10,000 price point, um, I waited seven months to get that booking, to get that client that was like, oh, yeah, let's go. And they didn't even book 10K. They booked 12K. And then they added stuff on. But those seven months were hard. Like the last month of that seven months, I was like, I don't know if I could do this. But then... I booked it. It was through a wonderful planner. It was really easy and fast. And I was like, this is what I was waiting for. So right. yeah. a good pl- a good planner will also do the sales process for you. Yeah. Um, because the client already trusts them, right? Yeah. Uh, the client has hired them because they want them to just do things for them and tell them who to book and figure out their budget. If you are a planner listening to this, that's a good way too to start elevating is making sure that when you're doing that client's budget, you're not just allocating what they've given you as their budget. You're giving them a realistic view of what they're going to spend based on their expectations. I have to do it later today. I had a consultation call with somebody. They wanted to spend 200K for 200 guests. The kind of event that I'm producing, which they have seen on my website and social media that would meet their expectations, is going to be quite a bit more than that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going through a budget breakdown with them, which is what I do with clients before I even let them book me just to make sure we're all on the same page. And it's coming out to be on the low end, like double what they wanted to spend based on all of the expectations that they have. So as a planner, it is not your job to just take the money that they've given you and allocate it out and say, okay, this is what you can spend on things. Find out what their expectations are, then tell them how much they're going to spend based on those expectations. And then if that's too much money, you go back through it again and they need to scale back on their expectations if they're not willing to raise the budget. Right. Yeah. Right. And then you're allocating properly. So don't think, oh, I know I can get that one photographer who's been bugging me for like three, three K. So then we can spend more money on food. No, (laughs) hire a good photographer, make sure it looks pretty and put a fried chicken buffet over in the corner that is not going to end up in photos. People will (laughs) love the fried chicken. They will love it. Yeah. This is the best wedding ever. And then the wedding looks gorgeous in all the photos. Uh, that that these are tricks that I did to elevate things whenever I was starting. Is that I made sure that I was aligning with clients whose expectations were on par with what I was actually producing and with their budget. That it was all in alignment. Yeah, I love that. And I guess you could kind of know maybe that things are working right. That you were attracting the right clients. That they were trusting you. Your prices were increasing. And you were producing the events that you were excited about. And now you're yeah. at this new level. You know, do, do you feel like you're moving levels all the time? Or are you like in a level now mm-hmm. where you you want to stay? Yeah, I am moving levels. I don't think I ever want to be producing weddings that are, you know, like 
$10 million. That just seems like a lot of work (laughs) that I'm just not interested in. I don't need a summer home in every state in the US. I just don't need all of that. Uh, I need to be able to retire comfortably and that's about it. And so I'm doing um, under the birds of a feather brand, I'm doing four weddings a year right now. And so they all need to be good fits. They need to be people that make me happy. I make them happy. I ask them during the discovery call, how well do you work with somebody who wants to just completely take charge? Mm -hmm. Like, are you willing to turn everything over to me? Because that is what, how I work best. Mm -hmm. And I'm not afraid to just say things like that during the consultation, because if they're like, oh, she's trying to completely take over, they're just not my client. Like the type of client that I want is someone who was like, oh my gosh, I just want to outsource this to you. Like, I want to taste the food. I want to look at the pretty things you put together and sign off on it, but they don't want to do all of that other stuff. They don't want the handholding. If I tell them to book a photographer, they're just going to book that photographer. They don't need me to send them like five choices or even two choices, really. So that's who I work best with. Um, And that really aligns with, you know, mid-level luxury and up Mm -hmm. that type of person. They've outsourced every bit of their life to somebody. And I'm just another person they're outsourcing it to. I don't need to have warm fuzzies about them. We don't need to go to dinners together and have drinks and become lifelong friends after the wedding. They need to like me and I need to like them. But past that point, um, we don't need to be having conversations every single day about every like minute detail about the wedding. No, no. I love that. So um, I just had this from memory. You were a long time ago, maybe in the group or one of the things we learned was, uh, budget couples save a long time, right? Like they save a long time yep. to pay for the wedding. So every little thing is like huge, you know, like everything, every dollar that goes out is like a million dollars to them. Yes. Right? Yeah. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. I just remembered it. Yeah. So a uh, typical budget client booking timelines, they're trying to reach out like two years in advance of their wedding to get availability and pricing and all of that. Um, luxury clients. I mean, look at uh, Kourtney Kardashian. Like yeah. how quick did that wedding happen after they got engaged? It has not been that long since they got engaged and they got married because they have the money. Like people only wait a long time because they either are waiting for a particular season maybe, or because they're trying to save money. So luxury clients um, typically are booking 12 months or less. And that 12 month marker is generally because it's currently fall they just got engaged. They want to get married in the fall. So they have to wait until the following fall. Um, but yeah, their booking timelines are generally just a lot shorter Yeah, uh, than yeah. budget clients. Budgets have to save a lot of money. And then they treat you like they're giving you their entire life savings. Like everything hinges on this being the perfect day. The photos must be perfect. If she has, um, you know, if she thinks her arm looks fat, you're going to have to go back and edit every single photo you took of her that shows her arm. Um, everything is just is is resting on this wedding day. Yeah. Whereas luxury clients, they throw parties like this all the time. Maybe not this grand, but they do throw a lot of parties. They know they're going to have a lot of life events and they're just not going to be that particular about everything because yeah. they know that they've hired somebody and paid good money to that person. And they trust that person that they're going to pull everything off the way it should be. So they're not going to be bothering you constantly about every little thing like a budget client will. I love that. Yeah. I've noticed that too. Like as I move up myself and still moving up, but my weddings from last year, the tail end of last year, and even the, the first one I shot, it was like, the the couple was like, all they want to do is float through their day. Like they just want to show up hair and makeup, you know, they're ready for photos when you're ready. And then they just want to get married and have a party. They're literally not concerned with anything else because they've hired a planner and then they have a, the planner has a good team. And then the team of trusted, you know, professionals is making the day happen. So you can really start to tell the difference versus, you know, I shot a wedding where the, it was a New York city wedding. The couple got married in Soho at a church and the buses for 200 people did not show up. Oh, and then the couple is like, I, uh, looking at Ubers and trying to hail taxis and Uber was kind of new still. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is why you hire someone to take care of this for you. Like yeah, literally they probably hired a bus company that, that has yeah. bad reviews online, but yeah. they were the cheapest one. Right. Exactly. Right. They probably yeah. got a group on. <laughs> Probably did. Well, you yeah, know, I the, the group on vendors, they don't show up. 
<laughs> I mean, I don't even take weddings now without planners. Like that was a big shift for me too, because you guys, you know, it just helped make the day so much better. So yeah, that's how think I about do. how much time you probably used to spend on sales calls. Yeah, the clients, and now it's just the planner probably reaching out, saying, "Are you available? Has your investment level changed? What's it like now? Um, do you yeah. want to talk to this client? Can you send the contract?" Right, exactly. And it's not you trying to convince the client that you are trustworthy and that other people like you and you've done good work and yeah. go through every little portfolio that you have and yeah. all that back and forth. Yeah, it's um, definitely next level. That's awesome. So at Tea with Janae, we always like to sort of end our episodes with some tangible tips and takeaways um, that people can sort of do right after the show or at least attempt to do. I hope so. So maybe you can share, I would love for you to share like three tips uh, with people, what they can do right now to maybe start breaking into the next level. Okay. Edit the hell out of your portfolio. If you are doing a lot of weddings in like industrial spaces and you don't like any of them, but you've put all of them on your website, guess what? You are an industrial space wedding photographer. Everyone knows it. They know to reach out to you because that's what your portfolio is. Um, photographers, this is the worst thing about you guys. You need to show every single angle of a portrait or a tablescape. We don't need all of that. You really need to call out your galleries. Um, look for things in your galleries that you know would speak to a budget bride and eliminate those things and call your galleries down to where maybe you only have like 10 to 15 photos in there, but you've eliminated an altar that the floral isn't ab as abundant or it's just a bunch of folding garden chairs with no bodies in it. It's like you have focused in on this and think that this is good decor, right? That's how that photo is going to translate. Or a couple, they're, they're kissing and now they've pulled away from the kissing and now they're smiling at each other, but it's all like the same photo. Um, planners in particular, we don't care about all of that stuff. I could see five photos of the couple in your entire gallery and be satisfied. Mm -hmm. I want to see that your skin tones look nice and that you're not doing cheesy prom poses, that your composition is nice. And then I'm ready to move on to look at the decor and see what kind of weddings that you're shooting and see if you're working at the level that I'm working at. So yes, edit, 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 call out your Instagram, get a good flow on there because that's generally where somebody's going to go first when they want to go look at your work. And then second, I would say be in the room. If you're doing budget weddings, that might mean just joining like WIPA or NACE or something like that. That's like a little bit more up-leveled than just your typical networking events because your typical networking events in your market are more than likely other people that are just like you that just barely started their business. And maybe you don't really know what they're doing and you want to try to meet people laterally or uh, step up just a little bit with who you're working with. Um, and then, you know, eventually you'll start getting invited to more things. If you are already working kind of in that middle market, getting into entry-level luxury, you might want to look at Engage and see if it's time for you to go to Engage because then you're in the room with all of the people who are producing luxury events. Uh, you can start to form relationships with them. Eventually, you might get invited on fam trips, things like that. So I always recommend being in the room. Any opportunity you have to meet somebody, take it. If you have somebody want to connect with you and they live somewhere else, say, hey, I'm going to be in town. Do you want to have lunch while I'm in town? And then you buy a plane ticket and you are in town. Mm -hmm. And then I'd also say surround yourself with people who are on the same path and the same trajectory as you. Uh, don't try to beat a dead horse with somebody who just wants to keep doing the same thing, isn't interested in changing their pricing, whether it's just the structure or what they're charging, or if they want to keep doing volume, they're scared not to book something. So they try to book everything. If you are going in a different direction than that person, don't be afraid to kind of let them go. Mm -hmm. um, because sometimes they can hold you back from being able to move forward. F find your people. Find the people that are doing the same things you are. They want the same things. They have the same goals and turn that little group of people into an accountability group um, so that you know what those goals are, what each person wants to do, and you're holding each other accountable to it. Yeah, I love that. I have an incredible accountability group. I think maybe we're one of 
the strongest. I think in E3, the maybe it was lasted <laughs> the most. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we've got, I think there's seven of us in there and we literally text all day long and we um, chat every two weeks, like via Zoom. And it's just, it's been really amazing because we all are on the same path to success, to we're wanting more, to up-leveling. And from where we were in the beginning to see where we are now, um, it's pretty incredible. So yeah, definitely surround yourself with like-minded people. And if you can't find them in your own network, you can always try to come to E3. And yeah, uh, yeah let's talk about that a little bit because, <laughs> uh, you know, I just am such a believer and I've talked to advocate and I just am so grateful for what I've learned and what has happened to my professional career from E3 that I'm always, you know, an advocate. So let's, let's tell everybody a little bit about that. Who's listening. Yeah, sure. So I'll just give you the little, a little backstory on it. I don't know if Courtney or Julie have given the backstory when they've been on here. Um, but E3 came from an idea I had from Jennifer Wilson, who's a photographer. She runs a Facebook group for editing. She'll come in there live. She'll, she'll live edit and kind of walk people through editing and people were paying a monthly fee to be in there. And she told me about this, like in the summer of 2019. And I was like, that is a very interesting concept. And so I kind of sat on it for a little while. I had mentioned it to Courtney and Julie because in our accountability group, they were the other two people like me that were interested in doing more mentoring and more coaching. Um, I already had the Elevate series, which is what I ran with Maxine and Charlo, which were work workshops and retreats that we were doing. Um, but I was the only planner. So I was only like the only type A person, like trying to kind of get it going. And so when I'm talking to two other like type A people, um, especially like uh, Courtney, because we just did our Strengths Finders episode on E3. Yeah. If y'all don't know what that is, look it up. But it tells you all of your what your top strengths are. And uh, mine is futuristic and command and responsibility. And Courtney's is maximizer and achiever. So and Julie's is ideation. So you know Julie and I can come up with ideas, and then Courtney can kind of take them and run with them. Again, that's me and Julie being starters, and Courtney being an operator. And so it was a good alignment. So right before the literally right before the pandemic, like the weekend before things started shutting down, uh, Courtney and I were in Santa Barbara working on a wedding together. And we talked a little bit more about it then. And I said, well, let's just do some Instagram lives um, to kind of like lift people's spirits right now, because it looks like we're about to be locked in our houses. And then they went to hybrid co after that. And so we started doing the lives. And by the time we did the third live, the lives were really just meant to get more people to contact us individually for coaching. And after we did the third live, I didn't really feel like no any call to action was happening. And I was like, I'm not fucking doing this anymore unless I'm making money off of it. I'm very money motivated. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's when we started the Facebook group. We, I decided, okay, let's actually do this. So then Courtney kind of took it, ran with it. We started it. Uh, and I think all three of us don't know any other way to coach other than being super transparent and super blunt about things. And so we always led with that. Uh, we don't really keep any secrets. I know a lot of coaches and mentors circle the drain with mm -hmm. things. They don't really want to give away their intellectual property. They just want to make you think they're giving it away and for you to pay for it. Um, but no one can ever be me. No one can ever be Courtney. No one can ever be Julie. And we always had that mentality. So we weren't trying to hold anything secret that we felt like somebody could take from one of us. Um, we, so we offer everything freely. We're very transparent about what we charge personally, how we're running our businesses. Uh, and then, you know, we, we definitely lead with tough love. But things took off. I think we just had a perfect storm of our three personalities combined with our own personal brands that we had built over time, which is a topic we're speaking about at Engage in a couple of weeks. Uh, and then having people just kind of sequestered, um, right? Because nobody could really do anything but educate themselves at that point because everyone's weddings were getting moved. We were locked in our houses. And so we had, you know... Um, an audience just ready and waiting to kind of hear what we were saying. And so we were able to build upon that pretty quickly. And we celebrated our 
second birthday last you know, month. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a very captive, like pun intended, audience. <laughs> right. Yeah, we had a, had them walk in their houses. They didn't have anything else to yeah. do. But no, I definitely look forward to it every every Thursday. So that was great. Yeah. No, it's just been. But I also like want to sh- say, like personally, as someone who's been in the industry for a long time, you were te- you're teaching things that I just never had been taught before, you know? Well, yeah. Mass market teaching and coaching is all centered around um, the middle market. Yeah. 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 It's not really centered around luxury. And I would say that the people that are actually operating in the luxury space, I mean, this is going to sound harsh, but I think they think it's somehow beneath them to coach and mentor other people. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly the opposite of what me and Courtney and Julie think. We think it should be for anybody that's willing to put in the work. It's not for everybody. Not every, some people love doing a ton of weddings a year. Like that's what gets them going and keeps their energy up. Um, And so they want to do volume. And some people don't want to put as much of themselves and their time and life into one couple. They want to do more of the bare minimum and get as many people in the door as possible. And and they just don't have um, the, the work ethic or the drive to do any of the things that we're doing or to work in that market. And they're perfectly happy where they are. So if you're perfectly happy where you are, you don't need to make any of those changes to work in a luxury market. But if you feel like you're working so hard just on one wedding, then you do need to be compensated for that. And you do need to seek out those clients that want that and appreciate that. Yeah. Love it. Oh gosh. We could talk about this for hours. (laughs) Well, I'm so happy that you're here. You're finally on the podcast and hopefully I can start um, having you as a regular and beat that uh, this week in weddings. That's right. <laughs> I'm working on my five timers jacket with them yeah. and I've been on three times now. And so, but they won't let me come on like too often. So we're looking at like once a year. So it's going to take time for me to get it, but I'm willing to put in the work. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love that show. I was a guest a few weeks ago and so honored to be on and those ladies are awesome. Yeah. But let's tell everybody um, how to find you online, how to work with you if, if they can, and maybe how to apply to be part of E3. Yeah. So you can find my wedding planning businesses at birdsofafeatherevents.com and partridgeandpairweddings.com. Partridge and Pair is my sister company that is primarily serving the lovely market, but we are kind of getting into luxury because birds of a feather, I've kind of drawn the line in the said birds of a feather is for outdoor, tented, private estate and destination. And then partridge is for local DFW indoor venue weddings. Um, and so we are starting to get more kind of like luxury ballroom weddings with partridge. So I may end up with no middle market business and they're both, you know, just different forms of luxury. Um, and then you can find E3 online at educateempowerencourage.com. Awesome. And uh, if you guys swipe on up right now, you can click on the show notes, click on the links and let Wendy know you listened to today's episode. Her Instagram will be in there as well. And if you had any aha moments or something uh, you want to ask her, feel free to reach out. She'd love to hear from you. And uh, thank you so much for being here. This was so much fun. And I hope you come back soon. Thank you for having me. Well, that's it, you guys. I hope you liked today's episode. I want to give a huge shout out and a big thank you to Wendy for being here today. It was so fun to have you on the show, and I hope you come back. If you guys want to find out more about Wendy and E3, swipe on up, click on the show notes, and let her know you listened to today's episode. All right, you guys. Can't wait to share our next cup of tea together. Bye.